This is an AMI podcast. Oh, hello. Come on in. Grab yourself a seat. Get a beverage. Welcome to Low Vision Moments, the podcast all about those sometimes frustrating, potentially embarrassing, but often pretty comical things that happen when you are just trying to go about your day with a visual impairment, blindness, or albinism. I'm your host, Jenny, and in this episode, we get to a topic that I have wanted to get into since, well, even long before this podcast was born. I recently read a stupidly relatable Facebook post from a past guest of Low Vision Moments, the one and only Jennifer Renee, and when I read that, that's when I knew it was time to tackle today's theme. Jennifer actually gave me permission to read that post on the podcast, so here it is. First time making a cup of coffee at my new job, and my coworker had to stop me, I was about to pour the Parmesan cheese into my coffee. Uh, that's not sugar. Just act natural. Buddy, mm. you don't have to drink that. Thank you. And I would wager that she did. Jennifer would just act natural. <laughs> As a woman with a disability, and of course in this COVID-19 employment landscape, it does not escape me how very, very fortunate I am to be employed. And I actually really love to work. I love it. It keeps me out of trouble. Mostly. Have you guessed what our theme is? Work it. Work it. So it basically took me no time to decide on who would be best to join me for this episode to discuss this particular topic and who would really do the subject justice. This guest is a highly educated, a longtime human resources professional based in Toronto, but don't let that fool you guys. She is also a lot of fun and that's kind of a prerequisite around here. So I just like to say, Tina Sarkar Thompson, I am so excited that you're here to chat with me today. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for uh, having me. I know we've been talking about employment for a long time, just sort of off the record. And like you, I also have albinism. Um, my vision's 20 over 200. And so, you know, that's resulted in some some frustrating, but also some funny workplace experiences over time. Before we get into the real employment job-related low vision moments, what else should the people know about you besides your professional life? I'm a mom, which, uh, so I, my, my son just turned 10 a couple of weeks ago. I did follow, I guess you could say, the traditional sort of career path in terms of going to university and then um, and then going, doing some postgraduate education in HR and then jobs. But I haven't had the t- traditional career path in that school took me a bit longer, um, mostly because of my vision. Whereas my uh, my peers were out having their first jobs, you know, 21, 22, 23, I didn't finish school till I was 26. Thank you so much for giving me a bit of a background. I honestly didn't know that you finished school on on a bit, I guess, longer of a stretch than than some people. But for me, I left high school. I graduated high school as someone who really had no clue what career path I wanted to take. But I'm really fortunate that I've I've always been employed. So I graduated high school and I've 
pretty much been employed full-time the entire time. And and I say that I'm fortunate because I think it's something like close to 15% of Canadians who are blind or visually impaired are not employed. Is that still kind of accurate? I'm not sure what the current stats are, but at one point it was about 30% of the general population was unemployed where 70% were employed. But with people with disabilities, it was the opposite, right? 70% mm-hmm. were unemployed or underemployed and and 30% were employed, which is really shocking. So like you, I too have been fortunate. Like I, I had a paper route when I was, since I was like 11 or 12 and from there had a, had a part-time job since I was like 16. I think the only time in my life that I really didn't work was that first year of university. And then after that summer, I've either had a part-time job or a full-time job in the summer. Now, that being said, I didn't have traditional jobs. And I know you and I have talked about you not having, you having, uh, giving a go at some sort of traditional roles and some um, untraditional roles. So for example, when I was in high school, typical teenage job is working at a retail store, grocery store, mm-hmm. or restaurants. So if you have a job where, you know, you had to use a old school cash register, I couldn't read a cash register. So, and I, and I tried, and it was just a job that I couldn't do. Whereas now I think with technology, there's so many things that are just built into our everyday lives. Like, you know, I'm looking at my phone right now with all the magnifying features that are built into it or the voiceover, which I don't use voiceover, but I know a lot of people do. My phone has optical character recognition now. I can take a picture of something and it knows that it's text. It like blew my mind recently when I saw that. I didn't know that. Um, That's, this is good. Yeah, it's brand new. I know. It's brand new. And people used to pay and people still do pay big bucks for that technology, that optical character recognition. But it's so true that the the I think the employment landscape, the job landscape for people with disabilities and people who are blind or visually impaired, it's evolved and it's evolved in a good way. And along with it, my attitudes and how I personally operate in that world is it's evolved too. And I'm not going to lie, I have fumbled my way through, I wouldn't even call it a career, but I fumbled my way through the jobs that I've had and and figuring out what I enjoy and can and cannot physically do. But there was a time when I first moved to Halifax that I was really bored of sitting at a desk and that kind of environment. And so I wanted to branch out and try other things. And one thing that I wanted to try and break into was the hotel tourism industry. I had done some traveling and I thought, ooh, this customer service aspect of it I really like. How can I get my foot in the door? So I saw a really fancy hotel was hiring in my area. And so I thought, ooh, what are they hiring for? And it turned out it was housekeeping. So I hummed and hawed about it a little bit. And I thought, you know what? I can dust. I can, I I know how to dust and vacuum and make beds. Surely I can give this a try. I can make this work. So I scored the job. And I think it's like day two of training. They're actually taking the group that who's in training. They're taking us through the hotel room, explaining the checklist. And so far, everything's going great, right? We're making the beds, we're vacuuming. And then we went into the washroom and they're going through the checklist in the washroom. And that's when it hit me. It was really kind of a shitty aha moment when I was like, oh no. But what clinched it was... There can't be any hairs left anywhere. And if I'm looking at white porcelain, if I get close enough, 
If it's a dark hair, there might be enough contrast for me to catch it, but I am definitely going to be leaving some hairs behind and there are going to be some complaints. And so right in that moment, I was like, ah, crap, there goes that whole plan right out the window. And at the time, at the time, I really wasn't very good at asking for accommodations, discussing my disability with employers. I was still very much just trying to fly under the radar and so I didn't have any conversations with the employer, but I basically just said, ah, that's it. I can't do this. And it was really kind of funny. Like pubic hairs killed that career path for me when, when we, when we really think about it. And so I didn't, I just, I just said, ah, I, I lied to them. I, I phoned them the next day and said, I got another job. And I didn't, I hadn't found a new job yet, but I did eventually. So well, I think, you know what, kudos to you for trying things because I am not so adventurous. I kind of knew what my limitations would be. You know, my first job was in manufacturing, never worked in a manufacturing environment. I worked for a company that manufactures CDs and DVDs. So there you go. I'm dating myself. Um, <laughs> and then I went and I, and I did pension and benefits administration for the Anglican Church of Canada. So very sort of administrative from there, I went to Ryerson. I was there for a few years and I ended up at CNIB. And at CNIB, I started off as an HR generalist, then eventually got promoted to HR manager. And then I was the person that initiated the uh, what's now the Come to Work program, so the career support program. Props. We got to give you props for that because <laughs> that, that program is is doing really good work still, even, even without you there. So one of the great things I think about the Come to Work program is that it gives people that may not have had the actual work experience, that hands-on work experience, yeah. right? With employers that are open to it and, and are there to help solve problems. When I was in that role, one of my favorite things to talk about was accommodation. So I could talk to you about accommodation and disclosure till the cows come home. I oh, won't. I won't. But you I mean, at the, at, the, <laughs> at the end of the day, I think disclosure is one of those things that is so personal. There's no right and there's no yeah. wrong. So we had this um, person who had a, an intern who had really good experience on paper right? Like good experience on paper. And I think they were a right fit. But what we found when they were there is the feedback that I got is that they were relying on their coworkers a lot for O&M around the building, right? Uh -huh. Or even to get to the subway. And people were very happy to do it at first, but over time it really became, well, to use, to use their HR person's word, a burden. And, and that's totally fair. But you know what? This was great because we heard about this. We knew what it was. We arranged for that person to have some O&M. And after they had some O&M and they, they developed their skills, they developed their confidence. And then it stopped being about their vision and just being about them, right? Like, like the first part of the internship was really sort of clouded by like, oh, Ugh, I got to go help so and so go to the subway or oh, I got to But that's you know. an opportunity to build that person up. And yes, right? but, but the coworkers were finding it like taxing, right? Of course. But when we worked with our client, like the the individual and helped them with gaining the confidence, we gave some very basic O&M things to the like we had prepared the the staff team in advance, like things like, you know, when you're walking down the hall to say, "Oh, hi Tina, it's Jenny." Like those types of things, right? So, mm -hmm. it's the social piece that I think where employers still have a, a knowledge gap, right? If they've never worked with somebody that's blind or partially sighted, they may not know what to do or what not to do. 
I read a really interesting stat not that long ago that something like eight out of 10 Canadians say they've never worked with someone who's blind or partially sighted. And when I read that, I thought that's what they think because <laughs> I'm sure that I've worked with people <laughs> who just had no idea that I was visually impaired oh, uh, and, and and just maybe thought that I was rude because I didn't wave back to them in the lunchroom or, you know, didn't get to know anybody very well. <laughs> well, I have a funny story about that. I had an employee that came to me and told me that he too was legally blind. Now, he's very capable of doing most of the requirements of his job, but he doesn't do the detailed cleaning of like the bathrooms and the stuff, right? Like that kind of stuff. And so my my boss and his boss obviously knew about his vision, but other people didn't. And so one of the the nice sort of side effects was that that he started opening up to people about his vision and some of the comments that I had heard sort of along the way is like, oh, we just thought he was being snobby. And I'm like, no. Yeah, we thought he was really aloof. I used to get that a lot too. And now I'm more open to sort of explaining to my neighbors or coworkers, like, hey, if I don't wave back to you, maybe, maybe just say hi, it's it's so and so. And and it just to your your story makes such a good point that such a little thing can make such a big difference, like not only for you, but, you know, for other people who might be around you. Well, I would have to say that in my two decades of work experience, I have never, to be honest, heard a bad outcome of disclosing. So the story I'm going to tell you, it's not my story. It wasn't my experience, but someone that was relatively um, new in terms of how their vision had, had deteriorated over time. Now, I have to say that as a person with albinism, I guess it's like, my vision hasn't, other than the usual sort of aging and vision changing as you age kind of thing, my vision hasn't changed. It's fairly stable, right? So, you know, when when, right. when, when you hear the term vision loss, while I don't use I don't identify with that. I don't that. identify with that. And I usually am not, so don't get prickly about these things, but that is the one thing that I get my back up about. I'm like, I don't have vision yeah. loss. I didn't I'm have- not in, I'm not included there. I didn't yeah. have it to begin with. So how can I have lost it if I didn't have it? But anyways, this person was in the situation where their, their vision had deteriorated over time, but was in job search. So they had gotten to the level of uh, interview with the president of the organization, president or CEO of the organization, and the, the president's office was on the other side of the cafeteria. So they had to walk through the cafeteria. And uh, this person tells us the story that, and I'm paraphrasing, that they were following the, the president, but kept bumping into chairs because they weren't using their cane, right? <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> so I think they, they said, you know, in hindsight, they felt a little frustrated with that, but overall thought the interview went well. Anyways, they didn't get the job. And so when they asked the headhunter why, like for the feedback, and the feedback was like, well, you know, so-and-so didn't really seem very confident, kept stumbling into to chairs and said, like, is everything okay with that person kind of thing? <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts going there. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, so one of the things that really sort of hit home to me when they told me this, when I first started working on career support and the program is like, is it not better to walk with confidence using your cane and walk with confidence versus stumbling around? Right. 
and and to use those tools to go about your day confidently and safely that's a big learning moment i think just that silly little thing walking through a cafeteria i can i can picture myself in that situation so easily tina i had to, an appointment at the hospital recently and i had to do a similar thing i had to walk through a cafeteria and it was really bright and sunny in there so i similarly kind of stumbled my way through there. I didn't really bump into anybody per se, but I'm sure I looked a little lost and, you know, possibly like I had had a drink to relax before <laughs> I came to the appointment. Right. And when you're when you're talking about employment, you don't want people to have that perception of you. Well, so for, I, I mentioned that I had another funny story. So I had to do a presentation and the boss had said, um, you know, you can either bring it on a stick, like on a USB key, or you could bring your own computer. We can do either. Well, I did both, right? Because again, I told you I'm a planner, right? So you're prepared. I'm prepared. But I made sure that I turned Zoom text off. The presentation was loaded onto my laptop, all that stuff. Well, of course, he saw that I had my computer with me. Oh, great. You have a computer. Okay, we'll just, we'll just hook it up. Anyways, one or two slides in, everything poops out. Well, what's the solution? Reboot the computer. I, I now know this, knowing their system, <laughs> like knowing my work system, like that's, it's not a big deal. And so mm -hmm. a couple of things happened. One, at the time, I mean, yes, I have a, I have a hyphenated last name and probably there's the assumption that I'm married, Right. And well, you know, wearing wedding rings and all that stuff. But I didn't necessarily want to disclose that I had a little kid. And at the time he was about seven. Right. So and of course, he's the background on my <laughs> on my computer and natural. Uh, natural. And Zoom text is set to load automatically when the computer reboots. Ah, on startup. On startup. Zoom tech. Right. So the computer boots up and it's like, oh, there's Zoom text. Oh, there's a picture of Xavier, you know, like, you know, here's this little, little kid and um, I'm East Indian. So there's this picture of this little brown kid and then there's me and I'm like, oh my God, I've disclosed all these things that I didn't necessarily want to in one fell swoop. Okay. So now in hindsight, when obviously I now know all of my coworkers and some of them on, and I are quite like, we're, we're friends and stuff. Most of them didn't even notice. And in your mind, you're like, oh no, now they know everything about Pretty me much, that I right? wasn't really necessarily ready to tell. Yeah, right. Like so. So when I said to my boss, my boss's name is Jason. I said to Jason when I had that 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 dreaded phone call, I'm like, oh, you didn't realize that um, a large print program. He's like, well, I wondered what Zoom text was, but I didn't really think anything of it. Right. I'm thinking, it says Zoom text magnifier in big. <laughs> right. I think that the people in the room not knowing being ignorant to what Zoom text is. <laughs> like, I think that that probably worked in your favor. Or I mean, you know, not necessarily in your favor, but they just, they didn't know. They were, they were none the wiser. Right. But that's just it. It's just the reality, right? I think it's the reality of yeah. us working in a sighted world. So for so many years, right, in school in particular, I just wanted to blend in and be like, be like everybody, everybody else. else and not say when I can't see something. But now, in, you know, in, in the real world, let's call it, when I got out, when I finished high school and got into the working world, it was like a slap in the face. It was like, oh crap, I need to start, <laughs> I need to start acknowledging that I can't see certain things and that I might get lost on the way to job interviews if I haven't properly prepared. And that actually reminds me of really a story where a pair of eyes I probably should have asked for them, but it would have grossed everybody out. So I just left it alone and I 
I'm just going to tell it. You know, I think I'm realizing this episode and the previous episode, I have a couple of gross stories <laughs> lately, but it's just the way it is. Uh, I was a barista when I lived in, in Banff, Alberta, beautiful tourist town, mountain town. I had caught a really bad like chest infection. So I had been off work for a little while and it was a really phlegmy, nasty situation. A lot of coughing, just, just bad news. But I felt like I was ready to go back. I felt well enough to go back to work at the coffee shop and I was really happy to be back at work. But I, I'm I'm back at work and and then I start questioning, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I still need to take some time and get better because I'm doing a lot of coughing. But I would still be having these coughing fits, like where I couldn't stop coughing and it was very intense. And I was working with someone else. Like there, there was always two of us there. But the other person, they had stepped away for a break. And I got into one of these coughing fits. And I don't know how to say this other than I got into one of these coughing fits and a big old chunk of phlegm just went flying, Dina. Oh, no. It, it, and let me guess, you went, couldn't find it? it. Yep. <laughs> That's the punchline. I couldn't find. Couldn't find it. I mean, and and I had like a good 10, 15 minutes while this person was away on break to try and find it. And I couldn't for the life of me. I couldn't find where it went. Oh, no. So I just left it alone. I wonder what happened to it because some somebody must have found it at some point, unless it went like high. I don't even know. I I, I could hypothesize, but I won't. It's just going to get grosser for me if I do. That's sometimes the funniest stories. Like you know, I mean, um, <laughs> okay, so so I don't have any sort of gross stories, but there's there, there's funny things that happen, or even some things that you know you think are embarrassing, right? So I think I told you that my first HR job was in manufacturing, right? So this was like 20 years ago where the TTC, the so Toronto Transit Commission, had a service where you could call them and say, oh, I'm going from here to here. What route do I take? Now you can do it all online, no big deal, right? You can map it, you can use Google Maps, whatever. There's lots of different resources, oh, but this is like- Lifesaver. I know, which is great. 20 years ago, right? So, so the dude that I spoke to said, oh, it takes an hour. I'm like, oh, okay. So that's reasonable. So, okay. The guy says it's going to take me an hour. So I give myself an hour and a half just in case. Smart. Yeah. Well, I show up for this interview like a half an hour late because it takes two hours to get there. And so I show up for this first interview. I was like half an hour late and I was thinking, oh my God, because I'm thinking if this was me, I wouldn't give me the job. And I apologized to my boss, like my future boss. And I told her what happened. Anyways, fast forward, that was, I ended up getting the job. And so I asked her like later on, like after... I was hired and therefore I'm like, I'm like, Lynn, I was a half an hour from, late for my first interview. I would have been like, nope, next. <laughs> you know, why did you end up hiring me? She goes, because you told me what happened. You were, right. you were calm. Like you, again, you kind of remain calm. And for the two other interviews, you were on time. Right. So, I mean, I took my first job. My first job was a, a two hour commute either way, but you know, you do what you do for your first job. Right. Even if you're somebody who drives, there are a lot of factors to consider when getting from point A to point B. And we talk about this a lot on this podcast is how much planning and strategizing is involved in just getting around. Oh, for sure. Like, you know, one of the things that even my friends who have known me for a long time don't really get, it's like the whole thing of being able to like, I can't just jump in my car and mm -hmm. go somewhere. So like, 
I am literally now a fi- less than a five minute walk from two grocery stores, which is great. Now, I have to say, pandemic, I don't actually go to the grocery store. I have my groceries delivered. But <laughs> that's just me. But in our old house, right, it would be like no big deal to walk to the grocery store, like 10, 15 minutes. But I might be taking transit back just because of how much I'm, I'm carrying, right? right? So, you know, you're a person that could get in the car, drive two minutes, go get, you know, one or two things, and then be back in a ha- round trip in a half an hour or less. Ugh, no big deal. So much time saved. But for me, whether it was one thing or 10 things, it's still going to be at least an hour, probably, round trip, right? right? Like, and finding the stuff. And that's the other thing, too. Like, one other reason, it's not just because of the pandemic that I don't uh, go to the grocery store that much anymore. It's easier to find stuff online, right? And uh, I know. I've discovered that through COVID as well. Like, I can't go into a grocery store and browse the shelves, per se, right? Like, I know which product I'm going in there for. And I, I try to, you know, zero in on that product. Whereas online, I can be like, oh, wait a minute, there's this other kind of flower? I didn't even know that existed. Where do they hide that in the grocery store? Well, and I actually had a bad experience at my my local, I won't out them, um, because I complained to them at the time. So so I was, uh, it was about maybe six, eight months into the pandemic where a lot of grocery stores had and sometimes still have, you know, where you're queuing. And then there was uh, somebody who was waving people to the respective cash registers. Oh, right? that's one of my least favorite things. So by the time I got close to the front of the line, I was standing there and the woman that was waving people forward. So it, it was far. It was like, you know, that whole not recognizing if people wave at you from far away. So she's waving. Mm-hmm. And so the woman behind me totally went off on me. She's like, can't you see, you know, she was using expletives and stuff. And I said, I said, sorry, I'm uh, visually impaired. Right no, you're not, you're lying, blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh, oh right. And those then, are fun. Right. And I'm like, mm. I'm not. Yeah. I just lie about that for fun. I just use that as an excuse. Anyways, a manager happened to be sort of walking by when this happened and said, what's the problem? And this woman's like, that bitch, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, you know. Wow. That person must have been having a bad, bad day, day. Right. So anyways, I went, I did my checkout. The manager comes and talks to me after. And then I'm like, you know what my suggestion is, is that can you have the person call out, you know, like at the end? It's fine. I get why they're at the end because so they can see all of the cash registers sure. in front of them, right? I said, but you know what would be really helpful is if the person that's that's waving people forward would also call out, you yes. know? I said, because it's not just yes. me because you've got seniors here and, and stuff. And and I get it during at the time they were, I think what they had seniors hours. So they had more people like there to help the seniors. Anyways. I think they might have heard me because the next time I went to the store, which was quite a few months later because I totally shied away from there, the person was calling out. It was a different person. They were calling out. They were calling out for everybody. Yay. Positive change. Good on you. So, I mean, that's like, you know, (laughs) I I know that has nothing to do with employment. It's it's, it's little, but it it is those little things, you know, that make life just smoother for everybody like that I actually feel bad for the person who was behind you in line yeah she was she was being a total jackass but they when I think about people who react like that in public I'm like man you must have some stuff going on in your life that this is the thing that's setting you off right like depending on the day Tina I might have completely flipped my lid at that person you know what the the thing so this is what I did after next time I was in a in a store in that situation I turned to the person behind me and I said to them 
and I've done this a few times, I said, I said, you know what, I don't see very well. So I may not see that person when it's my turn. Do you mind if I miss them to like, just say something to me? Right? Love it. See, and then you might have a good conversation with that person. So I don't want to take up your entire day, Tina, but my God, it's been so good talking to you. But before we wrap it up, you've left us with, you know, a lot to think about, some really good advice. You have such a good perspective because you're a professional in, you know, you're a professional in this area, but you're also someone who has a lot of great lived experience. So I think we've struck a really nice balance there. Any final parting thoughts, any piece of advice you want to leave us with? Um, nothing new. I think just what I was saying before that in terms of when it comes to, to, letting people know what you need. You're your, you are your own best advocate. And if you don't speak up, no one's going to do it for you. Well, Tina, it's again, been awesome. Uh, thank you for your time Thanks for having and your me. expertise. And I think we'll probably have to have a chat again sometime soon because we have a lot more. To talk I would about. love that. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this time spent with Tina as much as I have. She is just such a wealth of experience and knowledge and, of course, a good time. And time really flies when you're having good conversation, doesn't it? Speaking of good conversation, I would love to hear from you. What do you think of the podcast? Have you got any of those low vision moments for me? Got any episode theme ideas? Don't hold out on me now send an email to podcasts at ami.ca or leave a voicemail at 1-866-509-4545. Oh, one more time. That number is 1-866-509-4545. Make sure to mention low vision moments in the message, please and thanks. Let's connect on Instagram and Twitter. Find me there under uberblonde4. That's U-B-E-R-B-L-O-N-D-E and the number four. Thank you to technical production superstar Sam Robinson with assistance from Jacob Shymansky. Shout out to manager at AMI-audio, Andy Frank. Thanks for employing me. And thank you for listening. Until next time. Get back to work. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.